Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Or as my wife would call me, dork. I couldn't do it. I know you asked me to do it, but I couldn't do it. Our <laughs> listeners would have been so confused, Pete. I told her, I said, why do you always call me dork? You're giving me a complex. Uh, okay, guys, you need to pray for Pete. He's feeling down and blue because his wife keeps calling him a but, dork. But the truth of the matter is, I say dorky things. Right? So I guess I deserve it. So, so. righteous invasion of truth. Yes. <laughs> it's still there. It's still got to tell the truth. It's still there. Pete, we were talking earlier about going on a cruise. I am so looking forward to my next trip yeah. out into the uh, into the yeah. ocean. Riot Podcast I, is going to Aruba. Aruba, yeah. Man, I love go. I love cruising. It yeah. is just relaxing. I, I, I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe it's because I don't have to cook. I don't have to do any dishes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can relax. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to doing possibly a show or something out there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. To be what, able- what's your favorite thing about cruising? I've got a bunch, but I, I, um, I'll, I'll tell you mine, but I'll let you do yours first. What is my favorite thing about cruising? I don't, I just. Okay, think about it. I'll tell you mine. Yeah, you go ahead. Tell me yours. My favorite thing is breakfast oh. on the balcony. Oh. And I get to read the word of God, have a cup of coffee and watch the ocean go by. Yeah. That's I, my favorite part. Yeah. So, yeah. So Christine and I, we've always gone two different things. We would go in the back of the boat. We would sit and do that devotion and hang out. Love it. And then we would, in the middle of the night, so like at 10, 11 o'clock at night, not at middle night. That's but not the like middle. Late, late at oh, night. For when, us, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, late at night. We would go to the front of the ship. <laughs> We're old. We've done this every time. We would go to the front of the ship. And, and recreate Titanic? Where there's nobody oh. there. They Because most people don't know how to get to the front of the ship. And then we would lay down, literally, on the floor. And we would look up at the stars. Oh, and that's we have, awesome. And we've seen the Milky Way every time. Really? Yes. So we go out to the front where there's no lights, none, of, no, nothing going on. All you hear is the wind. And then you just you lay down and you see the Milky oh, Way. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So we've that done that. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. You know, I just love it's you know, sit down, have a nice meal every night. I eat way too much, though. That's the bad thing yeah. about cruises. And I want, like... They give you a menu of like five desserts, and they all sound amazing. I get all five. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the problem, we went, and we, they will bring them to you if you we ask. Took, we went to uh, Alaska one time with our kids, and our son, our son was like, "Man, I want these desserts," and we said, "Go ahead and get them all." He goes, "I can get them all." We're like, "Yeah, you can get them all." So he orders every single one that yeah. was on there. Yeah, you really, on. you really can. And then he was like, "There was one time we went." And he goes. He goes, I go, son, this is the time that you try stuff that you would never try. Yes. And they were offering escargot. I did that on my last cruise. Yeah. And so I said, so we brought out escargot and he tried it. He was a trooper, you know, and, and we had one time Limburger cheese. And so we tried Limburger cheese. It That's the stuff that smells like dirty feet, Oh, it right? was horrible, but we tasted it. I actually like the escargot. Yeah. Nowadays, though, they make you pay for that stuff. What? Back in the days, they didn't, they gave it to you right in your thing. Now you have to go... Don't you? Not, not, you got where, it your not where I go. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe on on that party ship that you go on, they charge well, you. Well, I'm it, more but. diversified because I've been on multiple types of ships. I've been on Royal Caribbean before. I've been on celebrity cruises. Hey, I'm I've not been doing a com- yeah, I'm not doing a commercial for right. anybody, yeah. but uh, yeah, allure of the seas. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it's going to be so much fun. I love it. My wife is excited. I know. It's just, it's kind of a continuation present of our 20th anniversary. So it's going to be a blast. In the future, we will like to do a Riot podcast. Yes, that would be so awesome. We can have our fans and people, you know. Fans? Yeah, all 10 of you. It would be nice. (laughs) I'm like, we're bringing electric fans on the boat? What are you talking about? (coughs) All right. Oh, maybe those ones you, you wave. Yeah. Pull yourself down. Yeah. No, it's fun, and, and we're going to have a good time. I'm really looking forward to that. So it's exciting. Um, we got a little different topic today, a little yeah. uh, one offer. We're going to, and we did, what man, back uh, some time back, we did a show on uh, what the difference between Christianity and Islam, yeah. right? Yeah. So, along those same lines, we're going to kind of break down what the differences between uh, Christianity and Catholicism, Protestant, Protestant and Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I knew I, it only took me four minutes to mess that up. (laughs) That's pretty good. But I think throughout the year, so we're also going to be doing a show with, uh, Mormons and Protestant or Christian, you know, mainline Christianity. I'm curious about that one too, because I have a lot of close Mormon friends, but people that I know that are Mormon and I'd like to know more about their belief system and, and stuff. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to studying on that one. But today's with the, the Catholicism and the Protestants, there's like a lot. And so, but we're going to really just cover kind of the, the main things, you know? And so we're not going to, we're not going to go into that. We could do like 10 shows on this and this is a very heated topic. And so we don't want to get into this heated thing. We're not going to ruffle feathers. No, we want to be very careful with this and just do our best to just share the differences and then where we stand or what we believe. And, and just let you as our audience, you know, make your own dis- determination and understanding. So at least, you know, so I if, bet we have Catholics that listen to our, well, I'm absolutely sure of it. And, and there's, and there's really good Catholics that believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again. They are salvation. And so we're not ever denying that. We're I just, no one was good. No, not one. Well, you know what I mean? You're right though. That is the Bible. I mean. We're going to speak truth. We got to be careful. So this week would have been a good week for me to have read my autobiography, the, the biography on Martin Luther. Well, it would have helped you understand the Reformation a little a bit more. <laughs> we'll I'm get into get, that. I'm going to get to it, Eric. I promise. <laughs> the problem is you write books that are 1,200 pages, and it's hard for me to get started. I tell you, those there's people that understand Reformed theology to the 10th power, and, and they'll probably be listening to this and be like, you guys are wrong there. You guys didn't say that right. So... Forgive us ahead of time. So, what do they do if that happens? Well, that's let us okay. know, right? Yeah, let us know, and we'll do our best to correct ourselves if we are off or air. Yeah. It's not by intention, I promise you. No, we will leave comment yeah. section open on yeah. Facebook. Make sure yeah. you you share. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. I do not claim to be an F- expert in uh, that. So, no, no. All right, so let's go ahead and pray and get started. Let's do it, Father. We uh, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, talk about your word. Talk about. Uh, uh, this very uh, important topic. There's so many people in our in our in our midst that are on both sides of this. And the last thing we want to do is cause division, Lord. We just want to bring your truth. So we ask you to just help us do that today. Um, may you be glorified in everything that we do and say. And I pray that you just be with our listeners today, Lord, and that uh, you would speak to them individually and directly, Father. We love you. We thank you. And we give you this show in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Let's do our opening statement. Go with that. So opening statement, there are several important differences between Catholics and Protestants. While there have been many attempts in recent years to find common ground between the two groups, the fact is the differences remain. And they are just as important today as they were at the beginning of the Protestant uh, Reformation. So statement one, 
Well, let's go. Let's just talk about the Protestant yeah. Reformation real quick. And what's the, the timeline on that? It's back, like <coughs> early 1500s, somewhere around there? Yeah, 1517. But what, so let's just kind of back up. So the 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 religion the early church started in you know as the the, the disciples the apostles in ninety five and so forth and then they started taking on more of a um, you know like hierarchy or more of a leadership roles and they needed to have certain people in place to make decisions and so forth we saw that in you know some of the book of acts where they went to James and and they would make decisions on for the church you know Paul would come and so forth so that was something that was set up. And then the, the Romans did not get involved until like the 300s. Um, Caesar, August, Augustine, I believe, or whatever, in 300s, where he made Rome the official, I mean, Christianity the official religion of Rome. And that is where, you know, the Pope started coming in more. I mean, that's where you start seeing more of a defined hierarchy of, of this religion. There's some, you know, they started preserving a lot of the manuscripts. They started preserving a lot of things from uh, the early church. And so they, they started doing that. And so over the years, the, the Roman Catholics started, you know, creating a lot of different traditions within the, their church. They started creating rituals. Um, they started creating um, different interpretations that became the creeds of the Catholic Church, um, and then that was changed in about in 1500s. Now, at first, start Wycliffe started. You know, he was kind of a reformer before the reformer in the 1380s. Um, and same with there was a lot of other ones that I my mind is blank right now, but that that were coming out and saying, hey, this is you know what we believe is is a little is contrary to some of the things that. The Roman Catholic Church is teaching, and so we have a different interpretation. We have a different exegesis or a different theology uh, than that. And so, in fifteen eleven, that's when the Protestant Reformation happened with Martin Luther. So let me just kind of give a brief background of that. The short answer to what the Protestant Reformation is is it was a religious reform movement that swept through Europe in the fifteen hundreds. It resulted in the creation of a branch of Christianity called Protestantism. Prote- I can't even say it right. A name used collectively to refer to many religious groups that separated from the Roman Catholic Church due to the differences in doctrine. The Protestant Reformation began in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st, 1517 by Martin Luther. A teacher and a monk published a document he called Dis- Disputation on the power of indulgence, uh, or 95 theses, as a lot of people have heard. The document was a series of 95 ideas about Christianity that he invited people to debate him with. Uh, these were ideas were controversial because they directly contradicted the Catholic Church's teaching. So that is, that is when this started. So Catholics were up until the 1500s. So Catholic means Christianity. And then the the split started in 1511 when Martin Luther started saying, hey, wait a minute, this is not, what you're teaching is not contextually correct. And so he brought these 95 Christianity points to to the floor and said, hey, I want to debate these. I want to see, you know, what is true in this. And so that's how the Protestant, that's how the modern day Christianity is in. So that's that's where it began. Is that any questions on that part? Yeah, so that's the split. Where, so, and you, I think you just you mentioned this. The, when did it become? So, I understand the Catholic. So, yeah. when did they 
turn it into Roman Catholic. That was in the 300s? 300s, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's when they made the they made Christianity the official church of the Romans. Okay, but yeah. was there still other churches outside of that that would have called themselves Catholic or because that was the no, term? No, it was so just... it was kind of like the whole thing. That I, was, Rome was the center. Yeah, the early church was the way um, they were... Um, yeah, they were called... They were actually called a church in the early church, but yeah, so... Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's go. So the statement one, we'll kind of get in. Let's talk about the differences. Now. All right. So one of the first major differences um, between Catholicism and Protestantism... Protestant, yes, yeah, you can't say can't it either. Say it. That's all right. You guys get uh, what I mean. The, is the issue of, of the sufficiency and authority of Scripture. Protestants believe that the Bible alone is the source of God's special revelation to mankind, and it teaches us all that it is necessary for our salvation from sin. So we'll get into what the Catholics believe, but from a Protestant standpoint, they be- we believe that the Word of God is 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 from God, and that is a sufficient enough. So that's it. It yeah. ends, begins, and ends right there. And we'll get into the differences okay. with that. But go on. Okay. Second point is Protestants view the Bible as the standard by which all Christian behavior must be measured. This belief is commonly referred to as sola scriptura. Is that Latin? Yes, it's and Latin. Is, wow, we get to learn Latin today, yes. folks. And is one of the five solas. Sola is Latin for alone. That came out of the Protestant Re- Reformation as summaries of some of the differences between Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, so many, a lot of the Christians that are listening to this today, you know, are Reformed uh, listeners obviously know this term. Um, it's It's an academia term. Um, that's used, but a lot of the churches that I know that we're associated with do not bring up the five solas that often. So what are they? And let's talk about them. Yeah, the five solas. Okay, first one, sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. Yeah. Sola, gratia. not great, yeah. gratia. Yeah. Grace alone, sola fide, yep. faith alone, yep. solus Christus, yep. Christ alone. That one's pretty easy. I could have got that one. <laughs> Uh, and then soli deo gloria, yeah. which means glory to God alone. Yeah. The doctrine of justification by faith alone is what triggered the Reformation. So the Protestant statement was this. So while there are many verses in the Bible that establish its authority and its efficiency for all matters of faith and practice, one of the clearest is 2 Timothy 3.16, where we see that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for the teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So let me let me do this. So that's talking about... Um, you know, the, the scripture is, is what we believe. Let me go through each one of them. So sola scriptura, as Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. So we believe that every bit of the scripture is believe, breathed out. So the, the Catholics are going to be, believe a little bit different. We're going to talk about what they believe different here in a second, but the Holy spirit, Peter tells us carried along the biblical authors so that what they said, God himself said, second Peter one twenty one says down to the very word. So he, Peter basically said that everything that is spoken in the Bible was spoken by the Holy spirit's help. So that's what he's saying. It's inspired by God. Um, so we believe that. So sola scriptura means that only scripture is our sufficient authority. Not only does Paul say all scripture is God breathed, but on the basis scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
So that is that is what Protestants believe that the that the Scripture is the the, the authority of God that was written by God. Okay. The next thing that the Protestants believe in what separates us from the Catholics is sola Christus is the assertion that Christ alone is the basis on which the ungodly are justified in God's sight. None is righteous, not one, Romans 3.10 says. God and God alone can save us. And so they believe that it's only through our belief in Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that we could do that, but believe in him and that by what he did on the cross, we can now be saved by what Jesus did. Okay, so that's it. Sola fide, which is 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 uh, you know faith alone. We believe in faith alone. Maintains that a believer receives the redemption Christ has accomplished only through faith. Through faith in Christ, that blessed status in Christ, which God alone can give, is reckoned to us. Hence, Paul warns Christians that no one will be justified by works of the law, but only through faith in Christ. Galatians two fifteen and three fourteen. So that's. That's we can only we can only be saved if we believe in Jesus by our faith is what we believe. Um, the Catholics believe a little bit differently. We're going to break that down. So sola gratia, it 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 proclaims that all of our salvation from beginning to end is by grace and grace alone. Because of these things, the reformers held fast to the phrase sola deo caloria, that only God receives glory for our salvation. Only if our salvation is by grace alone will God alone receive all the glory. If there's something of our own we can claim, then we no longer boast in Christ alone. But if he is the author and finisher of our salvation, then he alone is to be magnified for his sovereign grace. And so the Catholics, as we're going to talk about, believe in grace plus faith plus works or faith plus grace plus works. And so there's a little bit more to that. So let's let's go ahead and read statement two and kind of take the Catholic side and, and see where that's at. Okay. Catholics reject the doctrine of sola scriptura and do not believe that the Bible alone is sufficient. They believe that both the Bible and sacred Roman Catholic traditions are equally binding upon the Christian. Many Roman Catholics, or many yeah, many Roman Catholic doctrines, such as purgatory, praying to the saints, worship, or veneration of Mary, etc., have little or no basis in Scripture, but are based solely on Roman Catholic traditions. Essentially, the Roman Catholic Church denial of sola scriptura and its existence, insistence, sorry, uh, that both the Bible and traditions are equal in authority undermine the sufficiency, authority, and completeness of the Bible. The view of Scripture is at the root of many, if not all, of the differences between Catholics and Protestants. So, so they're saying. So, what happened in the Catholic Church over a number of years is uh, traditions came in, and so they believe that we they you have to believe in those traditions, and some of those traditions we we talked about here, um, and that is what became authoritative in the Catholic Church, and so they. You needed to do that, and if you did not do those traditions, um, then you were not, you know, a real Catholic. You cannot, you know, truly be saved if you didn't believe in all of that. And and so the Protestants were saying, no, no, no. It's only if you believe in the Bible. That's it. It's not a matter of all these traditions. You don't have to pray to Mary. You don't have to kneel before you get into a pew. You don't have to, you know, do certain things um, and do that. But let's just talk about a little bit of the different reform. Are different traditions. Do you have any that you want to talk about? Um, 
What do you mean from statement three or just yeah, like well, in general? Yeah, so let's talk about purgatory. It's a state of the afterlife in which a Christian's sins are purged away. Typically through suffering, this includes punishment for sins committed in one's earthly life. It may be helpful to Protestants to understand purgatory as sanctification extended even after death until, until one is truly transformed and glorified in perfect holiness. All those in purgatory will reach heaven eventually. They do not remain there permanently, and they never sent to the lake of fire. So, I have a hard time wrapping my my mind around the thought process of purgatory. So it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're paying a penalty for your sins during this time. That's what they believe. They sometimes do. So they believe like like they'll pray for the dead, and so they'll go pray. So Protestants don't pray for the dead. We believe what the Bible says, that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so if you, if you surrendered your life to the Lord, you're, you're, the Bible says that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That means that you are given eternal life. We, we know that. Where the Catholics are saying, well, you might have been baptized as the baby, and so you now have, you have an opportunity to go into purgatory if you did, but you didn't live for God at all. And so now, because you didn't live for God, we still believe that there's a possibility that you can then have eternal life. So we're going to pray for your salvation. We're going to pray that one day things will be made right. So now you can go and in, enter into uh, heaven. So it's... It's a second chance? It's a second chance. Yeah. And we don't believe that as, as Protestants, uh, but as Catholics, they I believe that. And so that's one of the things that Martin Luther was like, hey, this isn't right. This seems a little bit different. This is yeah. not how I read the... The, the Bible as a whole. Let's just do a couple more. So um, with some exceptions, the Roman Catholic Church requires uh, their clergy to be celibate. Um, this has been a mandatory policy since the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215. The Fourth Lateran Council also mandated private oral confessions for sin to a priest at least once a year. Um, so Protestants don't do that. That's right. I forgot about that. So one. Protestants, uh, so you'll see pastors that are married. You know, and, and the reason, I guess, I mean, if you're looking at it, they're trying to say, hey, you know, keep your, you know, Paul said it's better not to be married. So maybe in their mind, they're thinking that it's best not to. But I know for a fact that I would sin more if I wasn't married. So I'm, I'm sure these priests struggle with that, you know, and we've heard reports and stuff with that. So for me, uh, marrying is the best thing. And then the other thing is that Catholics believe is that, you know, to confess your sins, you, you need to go through a priest and the priest is going to give you Hail Marys that you would say, that will help you be forgiven of your sins. Well, the Bible, we, we believe that Protestants believe that, no, you don't, you come directly to the Father. You come direct, the Bible says that we can enter into the throne room of grace, uh, you know, uh, boldly, that we can come directly to Jesus and say, God, I repent of my sin. We don't need to go to a priest. We don't need a middleman. Hmm. We believe that the Bible clearly says that we can go directly to God. Isn't that or, the picture of the veil being torn? Before yeah. the temple? I mean, yeah. it's kind of like they're trying to reinstitute and I understand, it's, the veil. It's almost like, you know, maybe the, the Catholic Church was in the back in the days was maybe trying to have more authority over people, trying to give more credence to the church, making the church all powerful. Hey, don't sin. You need to listen to the priest. You need to come. Hmm. And so I feel like maybe that might have been what was happening. Um, you know, and then also the Bible does say, confess your sins with a brother. And so maybe they took that as an interpretation, like, hey, you need to confess it with somebody that you can trust, and then they can give it to the Lord. Um, so they, you know, I can see where they can get some of that. Um, but ultimately, the Bible does say that we do not need to go to a priest. We can go directly to Jesus. 
Um, you know what this reminds me of? And, huh. Man, I, I know we said we weren't going to ruffle too many feathers, but this reminds me of the Israelites when, you know, Moses came down with the, you know, you have the Mosaic law, and then they just kept adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. That This reminds me of that. Yeah, I mean, you have, you've been to a Catholic... Yeah, I've been what, to weddings and stuff. At what Catholic has Church. your thoughts been of Catholics? Yeah, so to me, I mean, I was brought up in a you know in a Protestant um, situation, and so I but I have been to Catholic services, and it's it's always struck me um, as kind of like almost robotic, right? Yeah. Like cold and and um, just emotionless. You know, it's almost like you're just going through a, a checklist. And and I'll be honest, I've been to I've been to Protestant churches that that are similar too. There's right. almost there's almost like you know you kind liturgy. Of, I've been more to like Lutheran religions. churches yeah. that have been very you know very similar to yeah. like, to a Catholic church. So it's not just. I don't think it's. Um, man, I'm not pointing fingers at just the Catholic church, but so I've been in in Catholic churches. I've been in Lutheran churches, and, and I've been in different areas where. And, and I'm not trying to put everybody in one umbrella, but where it just seems cold, yeah. it just seems ritualistic is probably a good way to put it. It's like there's no, there's no calling out to your creator and wanting to worship your creator. It's almost like this is a task and you have to do it this way. And it's just I don't know. It's just cold. I don't know. Any well, other they way do to put incense. It. They do a lot of incense. They do a lot of Latin kind of singing. I like the Latin kind of singing that they do. I love that part. Um, they do, uh, they believe in uh, doing communion. Some they use Protest- real wine. That's cool. Some Protestant churches <laughs> don't do communion every week. They do it once a month, um, where the Catholics are doing it. Has COVID ended that? No, people not drinking out of the same wine I don't know. thing now? But the Catholics believe different though. The Catholics believe that the, that, uh, the bread is the actual body of Christ, that it manifests as body once you take it. And they believe that it's the actual blood. The Protestants don't believe that. They believe it's a symbol. They believe that we're doing it in remembrance of God. And mm. so when we take it, it's a symbol. It's not the actual body. Um, you know, and we do it as a reverence to continue to remember what Christ did for us. So that's a little bit of a difference. Um, the Catholics do the cross, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just a reminder. You know, it's an outward sign that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So That's I, all that means? And Yeah. So I sometimes, yeah. I do that sometimes just for the heck of it. You I just know? did it. Yeah. So it's not, I don't, there's certain things that we don't see like it's major big deal. It's just Protestants don't do that where the the Catholics do. What's the the beads? What's that? What's that? That's the Mary. The rosary beads. Rosary beads. Yeah. So there's a a ritual uh, prayer that they pray. And, um, and so they say that you are to pray that. And so, uh, you know, indirectly Christians do ritual prayers as well. You know, like when we pray for our food, right? Times we say a lot of the same things. That's right. There's certain things that we do, but the, the bottom line is, is we believe that God wants us to come directly to him. He wants us to, he wants our heart. He doesn't want our religious sacrifices. He doesn't want our religious things. He wants our heart and he wants us to come surrendered. And so that's kind of the biggest things. All right, let's move on. Let's okay. get off the traditions. All right. According to disagreement between Catholicism and here we go again, yeah. Protestantism <laughs> yeah. is over the office <laughs> And authority of the Pope. This is good. Yeah. According to Catholicism, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. Yes. He's a substitute. A vicar means yeah. substitute. Yes. Wow. And represent Jesus as the head of the church. As such, the Pope has the ability to speak ex cathedra yep. with authority on matters of faith and practice, making his teachings infallible and binding upon all Christians. Wow. So they're like substitute Jesus? 
But yeah, so he becomes his voice. So he's the the head of the church. He's leading the church. The Pope has a final authority. So let's let's talk about because we use the word infallible. So what is what does it mean to be infallible? Oh. The word infallible means incapable of error. It's something is infallible. It is never wrong and thus absolute trustworthy. Similarly to the word inerrant, also applied in scripture means free from error. Simply put, the Bible never fails. Okay. Um, the Bible claims to be infallible in 2 Peter 1.19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Uh, we see it in 2 Timothy 3.16-17. All scriptures God breathed in effect of producing servants and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we believe as Protestants that Jesus is the only infallible word. Amen. Okay, We do not believe that any man has that authority. Where the Catholic Church believes that the Pope is in direct line with that of Jesus. And so that he has the final word to be able to speak. Um, you know, we as, you know, pastors and, and so forth have are many times are walking closely with the Lord more so than their congregation. And so, yes, God has given them vision. Yes. God's given them insight. Yes. God's given them knowledge of what to do with the church ultimately. But we, as the congregation, Protestants speaking, uh, hold the the pastor accountable by going to the Word of God and by letting the Word of God speak for itself, the infallible truth, not by what the Pope is saying as the final word. That's mm. that's what's going on here. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So let's do the next statement. Protestants believe that no human being yeah. Yeah. is infallible and that Christ alone is the head of the church. Catholics rely on apostolic, Apostolic, Apost yeah. Man, you're killing me today. Yeah. Succession as a way of trying to establish the Pope's authority. Protestants believe that the church authority comes not from apostolic, apostolic. Man, succession, but from the word of God alone. Spiritual power and authority do not rest in the hands of a mere man, but in, every, in the very word of God. While Catholicism teaches that only the Catholic Church can properly interpret the Bible, Protestants believe that the Bible teaches God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell all born-again believers, enabling all believers to understand the message of the Bible. Yeah, again, one of the things that Jesus said is when he gave us the Holy Spirit, he was giving us the interpreter, and basically the Holy Spirit is interpreting all things Jesus. So he's always bringing us back to the Word of God, God's Word. And so we do not believe that the final word is with a man. We believe the final word is with God and his word. So that's it. So Protestants point to passage. So John 14, 16 says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper yeah. and that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or uh, know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be with you. So again, the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to us things of God, not a man. So we don't need a man to tell us what the Bible is saying. We know that the Holy Spirit can do that for us. All right, let's go and to back to Martin one. Luther. That was kind of his point, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, a third major difference between uh, Catholicism and Protestantism is how one is saved. Another of the five solas of Reformation is sola fide. Fide. Thank yeah. you. Faith alone, which affirms the biblical doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith. Alone because of Christ alone, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Yeah. However, Catholics teach that the Christian must rely on faith plus works or plus meritorious works yes. in order to be saved. Essential 
to the Roman Catholic doctrine of salvation are the seven sacraments, which are baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, yep. penance, anointing of the sick, holy orders, and matrimony. Okay, so so the seven sacraments. So there's if you're if you believe in Jesus, that's one thing, but there's believe in Jesus plus you have to believe in doing other things. You have to be baptized, you have to be confirmed, you have to take the Eucharist, you have to do the penance, you have to do the anointing of the six, you have to do the holy orders, you have to do the matrimony, you have to do it a certain way in order to be deemed uh, worthy to have salvation. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we believe that it's, you know, it's for by faith you are saved through grace. It's not of yourself, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from God. So it, we believe that God gives us that by us believing in him, that his death, burial, and resurrection, that that is it. That's all we need to do to be saved. There's, we do not have to do anything else. We don't have to be baptized to be saved. We do not have to take the Eucharist to be saved. We do not have to do certain things in order to be saved. We are saved once and for all once we give our life to the Lord. We do those other things as a byproduct of our love for Jesus Christ. Right. It's because of his grace that we do that. It's because of his goodness that we do that. That is the separate <laughs> indifference of that. So what is the Protestants' belief? Um, they believe on the basis of faith in Christ alone. Believers are justified by God. All of their sins are paid for by Christ on the cross, and his righteousness is imputed to them. Thank you. Catholics, on the other hand, believe that Christ's righteousness is imparted to the believers by grace through faith, but in itself is not sufficient to justify the believer. The believer must supplement the righteousness of Christ imparted to him with meritorious works. So what they're saying is... Yes, sorry. That's okay. What they're saying is faith, grace plus faith plus works equals salvation, where yeah. Protestants believe you have salvation... Grace plus faith is that is salvation, yeah. and then results in works. Okay, so works is still part of it. Yeah, but and it's every, a result of its fruit of. Yeah, every major religion outside of Protestantism puts merits on works. So uh, Islam does, Mormons do this, Jehovah Witness does, Catholics do. All those religions have works built into their salvation system. Kind of the definition of religion, isn't it? It is. And so it's, and again, it started out properly, but then over time they started adding more things. That's what you were saying at the beginning. They're adding things to what they believe. Yeah. And the Bible is trying to tell us, no, we're set free from all of that. You know, Paul kept telling them, listen, you do not have to be circumcised to be saved. He kept saying that to the Romans. You don't have to do, you don't have to go to the temple every week to, to be saved. You don't have to do these sacrifices anymore. Once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved once and for all. Hmm. It's not if you put your faith plus you got to do something. It's like either Jesus is enough or he isn't. I yeah. mean, and that's kind of, that's really the difference. Yeah, the Bible tells us to cast all of our burdens and weight unto him. Well, when you're, when you're putting all these weights on you that you have to do these certain things, that's a burden. Hmm. You know, and you start sensing a condemnation because you're not able to add up or measure up to these merits or whatever you're supposed to be doing. Wow. And so it's, it does, it, it's a religion, but it's, it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of weight in Catholics to actually do what they need to do. And by weight, guilt yeah and they feel shame yeah i, I see that. that i see that a lot yeah all right all right next one catholics and protestants also disagree on what it means to be justified before god to the catholic justification involves being made righteous and holy he believes that faith in christ is only the beginning of salvation and that the individual must build upon 
that with good works. Kind of what we were just talking yep, about. Yep. Because God's good because God's grace of eternal salvation must be merited. This view of justification contradicts the clear teaching of Scripture in passages such as Romans 4, 1 through 12, Titus 3, 3, uh, 3 through 7, and many others. All right, let me read let me read Titus 3, 3 through 7. So this will give it context. So talking about so this is given talking about building up on the good works. Okay. So it says, For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So that just puts the, the bunk, you know, the, the Roman Catholic uh, statement that there's you got to have more to your, your faith. And that's not the case. It's by Jesus and Christ alone. It's his mercy. It's his grace that was extended to us. And that is it. That's all we need. So go ahead and read the Protestant part. Yeah, I think this explains it well, Pete. It says, Protestants distinguish between the one-time act of justification when we are declared righteous by God based on our faith in Christ's atonement on the cross and the process of sanctification. Sanctification being the development of righteousness that continues throughout our lives on earth. So it's almost like they they pushed the two together. Yep. The Catholics did. Yep. While Protestants recognize that works are important, they believe they are they are the result or the fruit of salvation, yep. not never the means to it. Catholics blend the two together. They blend justification and sanctification into one ongoing process, which leads to confusion about how one is saved. Yeah. I would think also when they're saved. I mean, yeah. you're never going to arrive. That's yeah. kind of part of the problem with that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you've, I've always wondered how do some Catholics, I mean, Christians do the same thing, but, but now it makes more sense, but there's, it's like, if they're doing the, the merits, so they're, you know, they're going to the priest weekly, they're, they're tithing, they're, they're doing all the things that they're supposed to do as far as the works, they, they go live their life completely contrary to what the Bible tells us to live. You know, I, I asked the question, well, how do all these mob people, you know, Catholics, or how are they all saved? <laughs> you know, they aren't killing people, they're doing all this stuff, but they're going to the priest, they're telling them, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned, and then, it, you know, they're doing all these things, and they're, because they're doing the, the, the works, then they feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm in. And then if I don't get in that way, at least I'll get in through purgatory <laughs> because you know, then we'll pray me in. So, so they're, they're taking the chance, but the Bible is clear. We don't need to worry about any of that. The Bible just says that if we surrender our life to Jesus and we believe to, to him to be our God, and we believe the Bible to be infallible, we believe that it's the final truth. It's the absolute truth that what takes place is, is a transformation. Okay, the, the, what takes place is I become changed. I, uh, the Holy Spirit enters into me. I become a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And, and what happens in that moment is I now want to serve and to love Jesus. 
I now want to bear fruits. I now want to do the works that God, that Christ laid and give us an example to do. I do it willfully, not because I have to, to be saved. I just do it. And so it's like the Catholic church was setting this up to say, Hey, these people are not going to, they're not going to do that. They're not going to understand that they have that, that they're going to do this willfully. We have to tell them they have to do this. Wow. And so that's kind of what happened. Yeah. So you're saying instead of doing it out of duty, you're doing it out of love. That's it. You're doing it because Jesus has changed you. Yeah. And you don't, you're not doing any of that because you have to, to be saved. You're doing it because God has changed you in such a way that why would you not want to love him and love others as, as he did? What a better way to live. Yeah. All right. Number four, the fourth major difference between Catholics and Protestants has to do with what happens after death. Both believe that unbelievers will spend eternity in hell. So we, we have agreement there. Yes. But there are significant, significant differences about what happens to believers from their church traditions and their reliance on non-canonical books. Thank you. You knew I was going to struggle there. Yeah. The Catholics have developed the doctrine of purgatory. Yeah, so we've been talking about this, but let's just go into a little bit more here. Okay, so purgatory, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, says a place or condition of temporal punishment for those who, departing this life in God's grace, are not entirely free from venial venial faults or have not fully paid the satisfaction due to their transgressions. On the other hand, Protestants believe that because we are justified by faith in Christ alone, and that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us when we die, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, right? Yep. When we die, we will go straight to heaven to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, so let me just do that. So you mentioned 2 Corinthians. Let me read that real quick. So 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10, it says this. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So that pretty much talks about that once the once we die, we're going to be judged. So did you surrender to the Lord? Did you give the, you know, were you walking with the Lord? Uh, it's, it is, it's final. What did you do with Jesus? Yeah. So he was basically saying, if you're living today, you're living for, Paul would say like to die is gain, but to live is Christ. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm going to live today, I'm living to please him because I love him. And if I were to die, then I have, there's two options. One, I surrendered my life to the Jesus and I believed in him, my Lord and personal savior, or I'm going to live in hell for all eternity. And only God knows the heart. So God looks at the heart. So those mafia guys out there that were living it, they might've really believed in Jesus and they just had a bad habit and they really screwed it up. But maybe their heart was like, I really want to do what's right. I really, I don't want to get caught up. I got caught up in this because my family, what, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help people understand that just a job. God wants the heart. God looks at your heart. Did you watch and, The Godfather last night? No. Okay. But but back to the purgatory, I just don't see that anywhere. I see I see it in some of the non-canonical books, Maccabees and certain ones that are out there that the, the Roman Catholics have brought in. But in context to what the canon that we see or what we understand, I just would not put my hope in that. I just don't see it in context anywhere throughout the Bible. So anyway, that's where we're at with that. All okay. Right. 
Well, still speaking on purgatory, yeah. one disturbing aspect about the Catholic doctrine of purgatory is the belief that man can and must pay for his own sins. Oh, jeez. Right? Yeah. This results in a low view of the sufficiency and efficiency of Christ's atonement on the cross. Simply put, the Roman Catholic view of salvation implies that Christ's atonement on the cross was insufficient payment, ouch, for the sins of those who believe in him, and that even a believer must pay for his own sins. Yeah, if we could pay for our own sins, then why did Christ have to die? Right. Either through acts of penance or time in purgatory. Yet the Bible teaches that it is Christ's death alone that can satisfy or appropriate I said appreciate. That right? appreciate God's yeah. wrath against sinners like us. Yeah. Romans 3.25, uh, Hebrews 2.17, 1 John 2.2, 2, 1 John 4.10, all, all go over this. Our works of righteousness cannot add to what Christ has already accomplished for us. Yeah, so again, it's, or I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but it's the religions of the world teach that, um, you have to work your way to heaven. So you have to do certain things. So Islam, as we talked about, you have the five pillars. Um, Catholics have their seven, you know, the credence. There's certain, there's certain things that each religion says that you have to do in order to be saved, in order to be sure of your salvation. And the Protestants if, if, if don't, don't teach that. Protestants believe that we do works because we love Jesus, because Jesus has transformed us and changed us. And I naturally want to go and do the works. I don't have to do the works to be saved. I don't have to do the works to earn any salvation. Jesus paid it all. So everything that he did, everything that he sacrificed, everything was for my sin. And I cannot live up or measure up to that ever. I am always going to fall short, the Bible says. I'm always going to fail. But he never did. He was perfect. And because of his perfection, because of what he did, I now have salvation. Amen. So that's it. All right. All right. The differences between Catholicism and evangel evangelical Protestants are important and Tongue significant. Tongue twister time, Man, time for Bob. a lot of words today. <laughs> My brain hurts. Paul wrote Galatians to combat the Judaizers. Did I say that right? Yes. Jesus said the Gentile Christians <laughs> had to obey the Old Testament law to be saved, which we know is not true. Right. Like Judaizers, Catholics make human works necessary for one to be justified by God, and they end up with a completely different gospel. I think this is, the book of James, I think people use that sometimes to say, hey, look, you, you need to do works. Or, or I really think James is trying to show us that if we're really saved, we will reflect, we will do good works out of reflection of who Christ is because of we're becoming more like yeah. more like Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, Martin Luther, when he was observing this and he saw, you know, all of this taking place, he was like, man, this is like, you know, there was a story I believe on Martin Luther where he would not sleep in his bed. He would sleep on the floor. He would deny all of his comforts. He would constantly go to the priest and confess his sins. And then he would confess because his mind would sin or he would start complaining because he was uncomfortable on the floor. And so he would be sinning or he would, I mean, just all kinds of things would take place. And he got to this point and says, man, it's impossible. I can't live a holy life. I can't do this. And, and he started looking at his faith and looking at his religion. He started asking questions. And, and when he started asking these questions, he said, God didn't, I, I don't believe what I'm, I'm being taught there's something different. 
And this is part of the 95 thesis, what we just covered. This is just a small part of it. I, I would highly encourage our believers to look up Martin Luther and the 95 thesis, look through it to really help you see the difference between the two. And, um, but I mean, if I, we, again, we can go on for show after show after show on this. There's so many things that we can um, bring up that, that some of it will blow your mind. I mean, we didn't get into some of the things that were just like, whoa, we can't even believe they do that. Um, I'm talking about the Catholics and certain things that we're not going to get into the controversial ones. We'll just stick to these basic doctrine ones um, that we see that are, that are, that are big difference, or, uh, you know, game changers. And so the biggest one is, is the works. And so if you're listening to this, just know that um, Jesus loves you deeply and he is, uh, he died for your sins and he died for you because he knew that you're a sinner. He knew that you're going to fall short. He knew that you are in, it's impossible for you to live a perfect holy life. You have a sin nature inside of you. It's, you were born with it. Uh, the Bible says that not, not, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who, no man can know it. So Jesus knows it though. And so Jesus looks deeply at you and he says, listen, my son and daughter, I love you, period. I don't love you because you're great and I don't love you because you're doing wonderful. I love you because you're not great and you're not wonderful, but I want to make you great and I want to make you wonderful. And when you believe in him, he does that. He changes you. He brings that love that's unconditional that you don't deserve. He brings that peace that surpasses all understanding. He brings something that's supernatural and only the living God can do that. And his name is Jesus. And so if you're listening to this and you were brought up in the Catholic faith or Protestant faith or whatever, I mean, there's religion in the Protestant faith as well. There's, they do works. They have to do certain things. They get caught up thinking that they're doing it properly, but they're not. They're still believing in their, their religion. Um, but uh, I'm telling you, there's hope. But why don't you do the closing uh, statement there and then we can close yeah, off the Awesome. Back. It is our hope that everyone will understand that his works of righteousness— and not justify him or sanctify him. This Isaiah 64, 6. We pray that everyone will instead put their faith solely in the fact that we are justified freely by his grace through the the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be be received by faith. That's Romans 3, 24 through 25. God God saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I love that. That's Titus 3. Amen. And so when I was reading that, I was just thinking there's a lot of our listeners that are probably listening to this. And man, they're using awfully big words today and <laughs> and they're sure they're sure preachy right now and getting all this deep stuff. You guys are, you know, you guys are confusing me. But here's this is what just pricked my heart. There's pastors, we need to do a better job of teaching this. Amen. Because if our congregation is hearing this and and they don't understand what we're saying, it's because you're not teaching it. And, and if, and it's in the Bible, it's, it's right there. We read some of the scriptures, we read it in context. It's in the Bible. What we just said is in the Bible, but a lot of people that are listening to this might have not read that in the Bible or have never studied it or never understood it. 
And so we talked about things that are a little bit more complicated, but we needed to do that to give depth and to give understanding of the differences between the two faiths. And, and that's the only way that we can describe the differences. We had to go to this level. And, and a lot of times we're teaching our five points or whatever in our church, but we're not, we're not giving it context enough so that the, church, the faith knows what they believe, our church knows what they believe and why they believe it. Most, most people that go to church don't know the difference between Catholics and Protestants. They don't, they don't know. And they don't know is because the pastor hasn't taught them. And, and a lot of things are taking place in our churches today that have watered down the gospel. And I'm just challenging us today. If you're listening to this and you didn't know some of this, I pray that you would, we, you would take the, the challenge to dig deeper in your word. That you would take the challenge to not just read it, but to study it, to know it, to, to, to allow it to become a part of your life, that every aspect of your life is Jesus. That's the most important part. It's not our church rituals. It's not our church religious acts that we go to. It's not about Protestant or Catholic. It's about Jesus. He is the goal here. He is the reason why we live here. He is the reason why we were created so that we can bring him glory in all that we do. It's Jesus that we need to know. And all of these words and all of these things God gave us, it's, as we said, we believe the Bible is in the infallible, inspired word of God. Everything that's in the Bible, we believe God gave us for us to know, for us to understand, and for us to live by. And so it's that important. And, and what we shared today was just a brief overview of the difference. But it's something that is important that you should know this. It should not have to come from us. You should study this yourself. You should get in and know who Jesus is. Because I'm telling you, he's amazing. There is nothing like that in this world. There is no religion that can even compare to the goodness of Jesus. What he did is incomprehensible. I, I'm, to be honest, we become speechless when we start meditating on it. He is above everything. He is good. He is God. And so if you're listening to this and, and some of you might have, maybe you've been a Catholic and maybe we pricked your heart and maybe you want to be a Protestant. Well, you can. You can, you can just say, you know what, Jesus, I want to commit my life to you and I want to learn more about you and and maybe you want to go find a Protestant church. You know, it's not that we're trying to promote Catholic or Protestant, but I just believe that the Protestants understand the difference between faith and works. I, I think we get the big picture better. That's just how I see it. And, and if you feel that way, well, you can find a Bible-believing church. And if you need help, contact us because we would love to help get you connected with a Bible-believing church in your area. No matter where you're at in the world, no matter where you're at, we can help you. Um, and if you want to just give your life to Jesus and you've been on the sidelines, maybe you're raised Catholic or maybe you're raised Protestant, or maybe you've just been hurt at church. Maybe you've been, you know, the, the, the church that you went to didn't share this goodness with you. They didn't share the love of Jesus the way they should have. Maybe they were built up in the works or maybe they put condemnation on you. <clears throat> maybe they were all about religion. Hey, you got to do this and do this and do this. And, and they never expressed the love of Christ to you properly. Well, I'm telling you, you can, you, God is not like that. God loves you, period. And he, and he is not looking at you as this horrible person. He's just basically saying, I want to have a fellowship with you. I want to bless your life. I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you. 
And if that's you and you're listening to this, you can just say, God, I want you today. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Today, I choose to surrender my life to you. Today, I choose to to walk in fellowship with you. Today, I choose to know more about you. Lord, please come into my life. Lord, Holy Spirit, come direct my path, Lord. Help me to, to learn about you. Help me to live my life that's pleasing to you. Help me to know you as a good God. And you just say that in your heart and you just pray that in your spirit. And I promise you that Jesus will hear it. I promise you, as the Bible says, all the angels in heaven will rejoice because you surrendered your life to Jesus. And uh, we, we do what we do because that is the most important thing to us. We, we know that there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of people in this world that are hurting. They're, they're, they don't have the answers. Well, we are helping them find Jesus. We are helping them come and see who he is. And that's what we teach here at Riot Podcast. We want you to know him deeply and intimately. And if you if you gave your life to the Lord, we would love to hear it. You can reach out to us at riotpodcast.co. Bob, any other thoughts to that? Yeah, I just as you as you were speaking, Pete, it just really struck me. You know, if if we don't know what we believe and why we believe, it's so easy to fall for the lies. Yeah. And and one of the lies that Satan will try to tell you is that following Jesus is about a set of rules, mm. and it's not. No. It's about setting you free. So good. So, guys, um, you know, I say this every show. I just want to remind you, if you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to wherever you pull the podcast down from. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, please do so, do so. Go like it, share with your friends, comment. We would really like to hear from, you know, where you're from, what your comments on the show are. And then finally, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you, you give us a thumbs up, hit subscribe, and click that little bell so you're notified every time a brand new show comes out. So I hope we encouraged you today. Um, if you're, man, you were brought up Catholic, I, I, the last thing we want to do is uh, to not encourage you. Yeah. Um, we, we just kind of, we just wanted to open up the Bible and shed some light on, on some things that are going on. So, um, dig for yourself. Don't take our word for yes, it. Yes. Amen. Dig for yourself, learn for yourself so that when the enemy throws those lies at you, you know how to fight back with mm. the word of God. So love you guys. Have an amazing week. Pete, any last words? No, I'm just so blessed. All yeah. right. Well, Be amen, blessed. guys. Take care. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.